0: yeah I mean we're not too strict about format or anything like that I mean you know the episode we did last week was Nick and I just talking about the Mars Volta for an hour and a half and we barely mentioned <laughs> uh, adventure it talk. was a shockingly
1: <laughs> little amount of adventure time talk I listened to that <laughs> one in fact it's funny and I don't know if we've started or not but it's funny I was when I was listening to that I was like oh good that's one I've seen because I actually haven't seen the whole run of the show
2: but oh. I guess we could talk
1: about that oh yeah whatever. let's get into that Eric yeah. right. yeah.
2: <laughs> Let's let's run that team song All and right. just go
0: Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human.
2: I am Nick the Human. And we've got a special guest in the Google Hangouts today. We got Ooh. Paul Kaminsky. Ooh. Ooh. Paul, Paul the
1: Human. Ooh. Ooh. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the <laughs> specialness. This is good.
2: Oh, man. Right it's, good it's to have you, man. Great yeah, to thanks. have you. Thanks for the invite. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, you know, I think what makes you a great guest is... Uh, Come on oh, Well, not Don't say that ar- yet
1: You haven't heard me speak yet I mean I could I could be a blithering idiot I mean <laughs> Some might argue that Actually
2: Well I would say You have great potential For them. That's good That's good Would be oh, that God. Obviously knowledgeable Obviously great taste But you're also a man Of many projects Which many. is Eric and I are, are are same Kind of guy And you've got yeah. a, a Whole bunch of podcasts You want to run them down For us yeah. I, yeah. Now here This is the one I've spent the most time with
1: yeah. So, uh, well my, yeah, so my uh, coming from outside of the music business, um, it's, I'm able to sort of treat it more like a hobby. So I, you know, it's like sort of fun for me to, to, to do music podcasts because I, it's not what I do all day. I'm in comic book publishing as my day job. Yeah. And so my, my free time is spent in music land, which I'd much prefer. Um, so I've got the third men podcast. That's the podcast I do with my brother. And we started that up around, um, let's see, September, 2016. So we've been at it for a bit and it's a, a third man records history program, which, uh, for those not familiar is Jack White's record label and James and I are big fans. And basically what happened was I moved out to California to come work out here and we suddenly didn't have a place to talk about our um our you know the new jack white record that came out or something so we decided to create a space and to put it on the internet and yeah here we are about four four plus years later and third man records has embraced what we do and supports us and you know even sometimes gives us exclusives and we just had um we were just expecting a cease and desist and when we didn't get yeah. it we were just so happy we did one of those oh, ewok dances
2: and and third man from my perspective has just only continued to like blossom and do cooler and cooler things and put out these awesome retrospective packages and all the live records yes. and it's like it's like you picked such a great like subject that's like giving you fruit so that's cool and well thanks you yeah. know what's and you know what's cool about that is your philosophy of, so you're a comic book uh, publish, in publishing, and you were like, but I want to spend my free time doing music. Eric and I are music guys who were then like, okay, <laughs> if we're doing a podcast, let's not talk about music specifically. <laughs> talk about, talk car-
1: about cartoons. Yeah, so talk it's about really cartoons. an inverse. Yeah, it's an yeah. inverse what, what And
2: happens. music will find its way in. It always never <laughs> right. does.
1: Yeah, well, it's fun. You know, I mean, it's when fun. I started working in comics, comics stopped being fun in the way that they had been for me because i was a reader since i was a little kid and so you know working and it does change a thing you know in a, in a lot of ways and they're still fun sure. on occasion but it's a different kind of fun because i can't help but slide into work brain which mm-hmm. you know i noticed in the last episode you were talking about mars volta and I, you were giving some insights which were reflective of your experience in the music industry. And I found them extremely interesting because I was like, oh, that's why so-and-so would do that. Oh, retaining vinyl rights at this time was the smart move. And it was really interesting to hear oh, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's very cool. I, I, f- I find that very insightful. But, no, I, I I just like talking about music.
2: Yeah, and you're good yeah. at it. I. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I mean, we're I, I know Paul through our mutual friend Ryan, who you had a podcast with for a long time. And uh yeah listening to you on that was great. My favorite episode of that so far was the Bruce Springsteen Darkness on the Edge of Town. Thanks for uh, saying that. Yeah. Which y- you like did so much great homework and told me things about that record <laughs> I didn't know it was and it was such it was so fun to listen to
1: i went into a trance for that one that was a wild one yeah bruce puts me there bruce and brian wilson's just the b guys they just really put me in a trance um (laughs) but yeah so now here this uh, yes the other another show i do that was with our our friend ryan brady and that was an album review we just give each other an album every week and it was nice to have a bit of homework actually because sometimes you know i don't know about you guys sometimes you fall back on your favorites you don't really branch out into the new stuff or older stuff and so to actually have an assignment, you must listen to this album and you must be prepared to talk about it.
2: You have thoughts. You got to like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it yeah, was great. It, it
0: definitely helps to have some sort of structure during this quarantine as well. Yes. Like watching a specific episode of Adventure Time every week has been a huge like structuring force in my life. Yes. <laughs> Everything is scheduled around it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll do that. I mean, that's
1: that routine, right? People just need to... Need the routine to get through it, you know.
0: Yeah, because I mean if it weren't for Nick, Nick has like a real job and everything. But I could just watch Adventure <laughs> Time all day, every day, at any time, day or night. It doesn't really matter, but Nick has to do it at a certain time so that like he can be a real person. So <laughs> my Friday nights are structured to do this <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well
1: Adventure um, Time's been a Adventure Time's been a quarantine thing for me too. I, I had seen a couple sporadic episodes over the years. My wife is a fan, um and I enjoyed it when I watched it, but I never really did the dive and it was it wasn't until quarantine where we really did start going into it and doing pounding like four or five a night and like really down getting the download because I didn't really have an understanding of what the show was in my head before I was super familiar. I was like, is this like a d and d thing? like I don't really yeah, I'm not really a d I mean I, contrary to the you know the Star Trek shirt I'm wearing and stuff I'm not like a I'm a nerd but I'm a nerd without the the fantasy side right I mean I guess Star Wars is as far into fairy tale stuff as I go and so I didn't really I didn't really have a clear understanding of what Adventure Time was and it was funny when my wife and I really did the the walkthrough I turned to her a few times and I'm like that's what this is like really <laughs> really this is what this is. This is really funny. She's like, Yeah, I know. I was trying to tell you. I was like, Yeah, but I didn't expect it to be like funny with jokes. Like, this is really funny.
0: Um, yeah. So it defies a lot of different kinds of logic. <laughs> <laughs> <It> just-
2: <laughs> well, and, and something we've talked a lot about um, is how they're like, they're aware of classic cartoon tropes and things that cartoons do and will subvert them like pretty intentionally, but yeah. in like, but delightfully. Like, it's almost like playfully. They're going to not not in a way to talk down about other cartoons, but just in a way to give you something different.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it's so smart and it's really, really funny. Boy, those jokes are really sharp. And you were talking uh, about the mystery train episode Mm -hmm. and I had seen that one. And I remember thinking at the end when they both go to the camera, uh, you know, there's like they fell off the cliff, but they could have actually died. It wasn't part of Jake's plan that they were to survive that. (laughs) And that was just a mistake. And I was like, this show might be brilliant. Like, I think this show is definitely <laughs> brilliant. Like, that's the funniest shit. It's really, really good.
2: Yeah. How So So, how far have you gotten so far on, on this?
1: So we're just cresting top of season three at this point. Like, we're not very far at all. And so those early episodes, actually, I wound up thinking it, my perspective on the show changed when it started to shift more toward lore. Because I oh, was... Yeah. very much enjoying the one and done it almost reminded me of like ren and stimpy but without the pedophilia like it was (laughs) you know one of those things where it was kind of stupid but like fun like grossly intentionally stupid for the purpose of making you unnerved you know what i mean not stupid like yeah maybe that's the wrong word it had a Ren and Stimpy vibe to it, which I appreciate. Right. You know? I, I know there's a lot at. of n- n-
0: naivete to those those early seasons where it doesn't seem like the characters really grasp the consequences of everything that's happening around them. Yes. And as we get further into the show, like the lore starts to seep in and like greater meaning is given yes. to everything that has already come.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't sure I was going to like the lore and then I wound up liking the lore a lot because I, you know, the, the, Princess Bubblegum stuff. A lot, a lot of that stuff was sort of yeah. I, I per, really prefer episodes more like what we're gonna talk about, which is just this really ridiculous business guys thing, which I guess is wind up being a part of the lore later, which is is awesome. But
2: yeah, they they do yeah. a good job of yeah, like Eric was saying, like things coming back and having meaning. And if you like season three, the lore you've gotten, then you are in for such a great ride through the end of the show. Yeah. Um, because they treat it really well. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a blast.
1: And it's awesome because my two and a half year old daughter loves it, and so we finally have a show we can watch together that doesn't want to make me pry my eyeballs out of my skull. Yeah. <laughs> because as much as I love uh, the Storybots or uh, Shaun the Sheep or Sesame Street or. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: There's any number. It it truly is an all ages show. Yes. And it's smart. It's not just a kid show. It's smart
1: for the adults. It's like the Muppets, right? It's it's smart for the adults. It's accessible for the kids. There's colors for the kids, but there's uh, an undercurrent for the adults, which I appreciate. So,
2: yeah. Now, Um, I'm interested, too, is you said if you read comics, work brain comes in a bit. When you're when you're watching like this obviously is different a different thing but like does this tr- trigger any work brain for you when you're watching adventure time or cartoons? It can't help but trigger it a
1: bit. I mean mostly I was thinking like god I'd love Pendleton Ward to write something for us that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um but yeah, it does sometimes. I mean it, I can't help it when it comes to movies and TV now. I'm just thinking cuz I work uh, my job is uh, I'm an editor and so it's my task to not only take charge of the characters but to make sure that the you know we approve all the stories and we give notes on all the scripts and see the art at each stage through the process and so I had a lot of training recently even just through doing of getting to know narrative structure and it really does make you appreciate when people can do things that surprise you And that's why moments like when Finn and Jake turn to each other and you realize it wasn't part of Jake's plan to survive because he didn't know that was happening. It's why those moments are so I treasure those moments because they surprised me. And I'm like, yes, you know, narratively speaking, the show is so tight and it knows what it is. It's very genuine and sweet in addition to being kind of, you know, schoolyard boy sort of gross at times. But yeah. it's so right. damn sweet. It has so much heart um,
0: that uh, yeah, I really do appreciate what they were able to put together. Um, so, Nick, I know does not have that extensive history with with comics, but I am uh, a comics reader, um, and in particularly like all the DC stuff is like has been my jam for like you know the last ten years, and it's it's definitely I I I understand like the sentiment like when. You, there is such an established form for like what a superhero comic is when you, when you get something that like breaks it or subverts it a little bit, it, it really jumps out at you. Yeah. And I think that adventure time is like a great cartoon because it really is very much in the tradition of cartoons. Yes. And it it uses a lot of the tropes, but like it pushes it in such like weird directions sometimes. Um, I, you know i haven't actually read any of the uh adventure time comics right although i'm curious yeah. about i think i forget who publishes boom. Is, is boom yeah boom studios yeah. yeah
1: i had uh actually it's funny i should probably dig those out i have a bunch of those from years ago in a long box in storage somewhere and i again i wasn't really watching the show much at that time and so it didn't really phase me but i wonder if they're any good i suspect they probably are
0: yeah, uh, I love Steven Universe. Yeah, as a as a cartoon, and I've read a bunch of the Steven Universe comics, and they're nice as like a companion piece, but they don't they don't really do a whole lot like in terms of groundbreaking story ideas. Um, yeah, I've also read a lot of like the Rick and Morty comics. Yeah, uh, and those are pretty pretty on par with watching an episode. I think that's um, great. So yeah, it's it's interesting the the cartoon adaptations into comics because like I think it's probably more common to go the other way around to start as a comic yeah I
1: mean it goes both ways I might cut my teeth as a in licensed comics when I was younger and um, I I worked for Archie for a few years and we had the Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man licenses and so we were doing the Sonic and Mega Man comics and that was quite an exercise in how do you take this video game and there's lore attached to the video game through the various TV shows and things. How do you take that and synthesize it in a comic book form and then try and make it worthwhile to people? And what we settled on having to do was you really have to lean in and make it a comic book in the sense that you have to do all the things only comics can do. Super long form storytelling, crossovers. Um, you have to take advantage of the medium. You have to make sure you're working with a good artist because a bad artist can really... ruin ruin it you know it could really destroy like how many 90s cartoons were ruined by bad animation studios getting on my poor x-men animated series oh Mm. oh i weep for my beloved x-men animated series because it got into the hands of some pretty shit animation houses so yeah the level of the talent is important you have to find people who love the material or who were directly involved in the material in order for it to feel authentic and genuine um and it goes both ways but like but, like, yeah, Star Trek comics, like, I, I love reading those. But there's also bad Star Trek comics, you know, so it's it's a balance.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's cool, too. They Like, I love that you said the word lore, too, because that's, like, something that's, like, that we invoke all the time when we're talking about Adventure, <laughs> adventure Time. Like, it's, like, our favorite word. Um, but it's cool that you were talking about, like, hey, like, as an editor, it's almost like you have, like, you're, like, making sure that the lore is in there and it's treated properly and, like... It's like you're like a, a lore curator or master of lore.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, I, I would mention the, the specific lore I'm talking about, but I fear my corporate overlords might swoop in and that, snap, gob, gobble me up. But continuity, especially tracking continuity over 80 years of history is quite a huh. challenge. Um, last year I worked on a project which put a timeline together to put 80 years of continuity into one linear space. And... um I was also tasked with look with trying to figure out character ages and trying to make all of the stuff work. And it was a lot of fun because that's the kind of shit I get off on. Like, I love doing that continuity. Like, I'm a big continuity guy, you know, because I was a comic reader growing up in the 90s at the height of continuity. You know, they're dealing with, you know, starting in that Stan Lee era of comics. I was a Marvel reader growing up primarily. And so they're grappling with that Stan Lee stuff but they're trying to bring it into this modern like extreme era and they did so many cool continuity jump ropes to make it all work and it's just winds up being how my brain works so I love all that stuff I mean I know I just finished saying like I enjoyed the one and done episodes of of Adventure Time in that first (laughs) season but I mean I'm looking forward to it getting complicated (laughs) because I love that shit I eat it with a spoon
0: oh it's good stuff it's coming (laughs) <laughs> you know, my my entry point into comics reading was actually I didn't really start until after college for me. And it was knowing that the continuity of everything was so complicated. I was like, how am I supposed to get into this? Uh, the new 52 was like such a nice reset for me to actually get into it. I, I, I know like I think it gets a bad rap like uh, but it was like such a wonderful thing for like new readers to start with yeah and and then through there it's like you can learn the continuity of everything that happened before if you you know certain titles you want to go back and figure out a, a timeline if you want to um but providing that like that fresh start was like a huge thing for me yeah and i don't i can't really think of anything else in terms of like like a huge continuity reset like in in cartoons or anything like that that really like gave an entry point uh for new for for new viewers or readers or anything. Yeah, Marvel has
1: never done it in their comics ever. And DC has done it twice, once with the Crisis on Infinite Earths in the 80s and then again right. for New 52. And you could make an argument there was a handful of others, but those are the big ones. And I hear that a lot. I hear like, hey, New 52 got me into reading comics because I felt like I didn't have to know it all. I could just kind of start. And I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds about it. Like, Because for me, when I started reading when I was very young, it was the knowing that there was this 30 years of history of the X-Men that kind of made me excited a little bit by it. I was almost like, I'm glad I don't know this because I can go back and dig through and find out why Bishop did whatever back in 1989. Um, but, you know, you want that fresh start, and I, I I feel both ways about it. Especially when I'm starting a new series. You know, you can't really start at, you know, at issue 13 or whatever, yeah.
0: yeah. So last week, Nick and I, as any good 30-something white guy podcast host should... <laughs> uh had a conversation about the marvel cinematic universe Uh, now did you punch your punch card for that you get a free sub after (laughs) five (laughs) discussions that's really um but are you so stoked for the snyder cut of justice league (laughs) happening next week
1: i don't think i'm allowed to talk about what i think about that okay Uh, (laughs) in fact i'm definitely not allowed uh i will say this i i love that people are excited And got to get those butts in those. Well, you can't put the butts in the seats anymore. Got to get those butts in the streams. And um, I love Gal Gadot. I don't know. There's things I like, you know.
0: I, you know, I think it's just a really exciting moment for like creators of art because like this is sort of a moment in history that we haven't seen at this level yet. Yes. Uh, You know, talking about Sonic, I think Sonic might have been the first time a major film studio listened to the audience in such a way where they actually <laughs> made changes, pushed back their production schedule, added more budget and f- essentially fixed the movie. And you know what I really liked the I, Sonic the Hedgehog movie yeah, me, it was my like it yeah. worked. Like yeah. the internet changed <laughs> changed the process in which major budget productions like put out content. Yeah. And now I think we're seeing like a huge version of of that happening with uh basically redoing uh you know one of the biggest blockbuster movies from years ago this is we're we're now like what three four years later we're getting a new version of this movie and because because the fans wanted it which is such a wild way to approach (laughs) creating art and putting out content like that yes um yeah that movie was was
1: great Uh, for for what it was yeah you know yeah i i mean all the little kids were running around you know pretending to be sonic in the in the theater and it was just really cute and and well done and it was like i think that was the last movie i saw before covid yeah yeah definitely me too yeah the last one i got into because i had one of those amc passes
0: where i could just sort of (laughs) um well, as far as I'm concerned, Jim Carrey has never been in a bad movie.
1: <laughs> well, I never saw Mr. Popper's Penguins, but I'll take your word for it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking up a name of an artist here. Uh, who it, was,
2: it was a good kind of return for him. Ben Schwartz was perfect as Sonic. It was Perfect. Absolutely. I mean,
0: I'll give you this. James Marsden seemed a little useless. Yeah. But Ben Schwartz and Jim Carrey. When
1: has yeah. when has Marsden not been useless? I mean, let's just <laughs> he's the worst Cyclops. I guess like he was he was. <laughs> oh. Now, you know what is funny. I was watching. I'm a huge Saved by the Bell nerd. And I, I'm like deep into that lore um, oh. because once you get into that, there's like no escaping. And I just I but I had never seen the new class. And I'm mm. so like a maniac, I bought the DVD collection for like 499, and I was like I'm sitting with my DVDs, like it's 2004, <laughs> and I'm watching the new class. and out pops fucking James Marsden.
2: Whoa, really?
1: What's How he old? doing there? Yeah. Hey guy, what are you doing there? <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's been around way longer than I thought then. Yeah. this fucker's <laughs> in Bayside. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I have a humble brag about Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog. I hope you'll permit. I'll, or how about we call this a micro flex. It's a micro flex. Uh, I, I hired for the Sonic the Hedgehog comics the guy that wound up doing the redesign um, of Sonic for the movie after the fans complained on the internet.
2: Whoa. Uh, that guy's yeah. a legend. Yes. Artist
1: by the name of Tyson Hess and I loved his work. We We brought him on and I was so proud when I found that out. I was like, "Oh God, I have long since left this franchise, but I feel like I've done the Lord's work."
2: Yeah, because <laughs> that good, other good design was Good thank you, thank you're you. You're
1: welcome. It's, it's a, I'll give myself yeah. a golf clap. Uh, it was uh, that other design was was terrifying, very creepy,
3: <laughs> very creepy.
1: Yeah,
2: but I, 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 you know, Paul, it's you're you're saying you know, like you're excited that people are excited about it. And to be, you know, this weekend's the Grammys too, as yes. we're all music dudes. And oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, you might um, not know. Yeah, it. it's <sighs> look, Whatever, look. <laughs> <clears throat> and I was only bringing it up to say, as a like, you know, I work in music too. I I appreciate it because it gets people excited about music in like this big mainstream way for a weekend where people actually it makes people that don't do this any other day of the year critically think about music and whether or not they like it (laughs) you know what i mean like there's so many people who just don't do that and then it's grammy time and then they sit there for a couple hours watching people perform going oh i like this oh i don't like it and anything that promotes the uh, thoughtful consumption of art i am on board with
1: I, I <laughs> used to think of free comic book day that way. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's a day. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, first weekend in May is free comic book day. You go to a shop and, and you sort of see what everybody's doing and you can sample what everybody's doing uh, for free. And it's very low stakes. And that's the way I think about the Grammys or some of these other... You're just kind of taking it to, oh, that's what everybody's up to. Oh, this is what the critics are enjoying these days or this is what the, you know, yeah. the, the performance like, don't put is. too.
2: Don't put too much stock in it. It's that's yeah. kind of just like a, a nice little sampling plate.
1: Yeah, but then you get some awesome shit in there. Like, I'm a huge Saint Vincent fan, and two years ago that thing with her and Dua Lipa was just like, yeah. oh my god! Like that was amazing. Just what a moment. And so there are always those little moments peppered in there, you know, that I appreciate.
0: Totally, I'm on board. Yeah, album of the year.
2: No dream by Jeff Rosenstock. <laughs> oh, we got a Jeff Rince in the in the in the building. <laughs> Jeff Rince.
1: I love that you guys have those jingles. My brother and I do that on our show as well, and I thought we were the only ones. I'm oh, so happy. Man. I was so happy to hear the jingles. <laughs> oh yeah, so I never finished running down my all my fucking podcasts. Yeah, oh, so yeah I keep I have, it going. I have third men. I have now hear this. I produce a Beatles show, a Beatles history show for my dad called uh, Yesterday and Today podcast, which he mm-hmm. did this really cool thing where he took all of his uh, ephemera, collectibles, rarities, bootlegs, yada, 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 over the years, and assembled almost like a fan's version of anthology in the sense that he starts from the beginning and then works his way up to the present, going through everything chronologically. And so right now we're somewhere in the middle of 1976 on the show. And it's a great way to really learn that history. Now, I was indoctrinated from a young age into Beatles. It was I grew up with them as like four weird uncles I never met. Uh, And there is a reason I'm named Paul. But, uh, you know, just doing doing that show with my dad has been has been great because, you know, you hear things you just never knew before. And you figure, like, everybody knows everything about the Beatles at this point, but there's, there's always something to pluck at there.
2: Um, and so. everything more I learn about the Beatles always makes me, usually makes me like the more, too, which is yeah. really nice about the fandom of liking the Beatles.
1: Yeah, they're, you know, they're good old wholesome family fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's most, a lot. Most, there's, for the most part and and way ahead of their time and you know it's one of those things where it should be dated or it should sound dated and it doesn't and um i know that's not necessarily like a controversial thing to say but i'm also a big fan of solo which is how i met our friend uh ryan brady because he was hosting paul mccartney podcast and um yeah. yeah, I mean, we just even got the announcements this week that Paul's new album, which by the way had a Third Man Records release, my head exploded that morning. So it was like <laughs> worlds are
2: colliding, Jerry. Um,
1: got uh, is they're doing one of those cover version albums yeah. of all the tracks on it, and on there is Saint Vincent. So I'm like, Dude, and like it's Phoebe, all happening. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers and all this stuff. I'm just like yeah, smitten.
2: Oh, but I even smitten. listened to. I was listening to that record this week as I listened to your great ryan tribute i I was like i gotta put on some mccartney and i uh i put on i hadn't listened to mccartney three and uh i was just like "Ah, yeah this is why the beatles were great this is why paul was always great because like some of these songs are just weird and they're just they're coming straight from the heart and just he what he thought was cool and i'm like isn't that what art's supposed to be at the end of the day (laughs) yeah like and he and some but his but the way his taste and skill collided it a lot of people thought that too on some of those big songs, but I just love like you can tell that playful fun intent is just so present in his work that Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's he still sounds pretty vital particularly on this new record i was shocked at how vital i thought he sounded so i'm also like a big 80s paul fan like i love when all the synth comes in and all like you know (laughs) duran duran's producer is suddenly involved for some fucking reason Uh, (laughs) but like that's the shit that i like because that's what i grew up with you know i mean i'm 35 so i was at a very tender age for those late 80s early 90s mccartney albums so it's just Mm -hmm. my childhood when i hear that that's my childhood and uh, um yeah, he's, he's one of these guys, you know, he's a great example, you know, much like, I don't know, Stan Lee, or I'm sure there's an actor example I can, I'm not thinking of, like James Earl Jones or something, but like somebody who st- manages to stay relevant in every decade is so hard to come by, so, but these long form career arcs are so interesting to me, um, because some people can do it and some, some can't, you know, and he, he really did prove that he could, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like him, of course, but that's going to come about with any artist, I think
3: yeah
0: yeah i i never considered myself a mccartney guy um i was always more john and george and a few years back i guess it was i listened to his interview with marin yeah and I, and I was like let me re-examine paul mccartney yeah and i realized i liked him a lot more than i thought i did yeah <laughs>
1: yeah yeah well a lot of that far out shit was all him in the, in the beatles anyway like uh uh, tomorrow never knows all the the weird loops and stuff that's Paul you know a lot of people think it's John's it's John's song but the experimentation side of it at least early on he was on the forefront of the avant-garde you know and it's really just John I, interesting Lennon obviously he was dead before I was alive and I of course didn't know him but I kind of get a sense of like he's the cool guy who gets really into stuff you know and everyone else you know there's always a cool guy in the group who gets really into stuff and all the other people around him sort of tap into that and like want to be into what the cool guy's into you know <laughs> and Lenin just had that force of personality about him and so and I think he knew that you know and so when he gets into something everybody kind of gets into it but it doesn't matter what Paul doing off in his corner because Paul's fairly conservative guy not politically speaking just in general in his life fairly conservative fellow and so he's not maybe as outspoken with that type of stuff so Lennon gets a lot of the acclaim I guess was the the long way of saying that and there's nothing wrong with
2: that I I love that description of Lennon I've never heard anyone put it that way and that's such (laughs) a great way to say it and it's like yeah then like when George finally like rises up to claim his own kind of thing as the Beatles progress and like his guitar style emerges more and his songwriting it's sort of like he's coming out of the shadow of his cool older brother or his older friend is like you know what i'm gonna have my thing too
1: yeah well that's what you see when paul's not there lennon's looking lennon needs another sidekick so george comes in when paul walked out of the revolver sessions it was george who stepped in and did she said she said with him and paul didn't like that very much you know, that, that's his guy. That's my best friend. You can't hang out with him. What are you doing? And then when they, when George and John started doing acid together, that's when Paul really felt alienated because mm. that's a, an experience, man. Psychedelics, that'll bond a couple of guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. That'll really get you bonded. And he was a holdout for so long. So the, yeah, those, those interpersonal dynamics are so fascinating and they always read like mythological figures because they've been mythologized over the years, but they were just kind of a couple of guys, and they all had those dynamics at play. Um,
2: Okay, if this is that... Now I got some new Beatles lore in the mix, and that's some stuff I didn't know, so (laughs) it's a great, like, (laughs) advertisement... sponsored segment for that podcast I love there you go
1: there you go well i'll say one more thing about paul mccartney and i love the fact i was talking about this on another show i love the fact that he got super into coke for like a minute in the 60s like before coke was super a thing because <laughs> for a guy like paul mccartney to get super into coke he's just like this is so efficient oh my god you know like you yeah. just see like <laughs> right. you guys i recorded like three albums this weekend it was awesome <laughs> what
2: when was that like what 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 era like what 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 albums are around then pepper oh that's a coke album i didn't know that
1: that's why that's why paul's the guy i mean (laughs) yeah he's that's his album basically george has one track yeah you know lennon and john has a
2: couple yeah yeah his
1: were kind of phoned in though i mean he says as much anyway um i think lennon just kind of said what was convenient to him in that moment sometimes but yeah lennon's tracks were not very personal you know and they weren't necessarily breaking new ground yeah, but Pauls that was a Paul album that Sgt. Uh, I lo-
2: actually, I do love what you just said about Paul uh, John would say what was convenient to him at the time I that is another thing that throws Beatles lore and just any pretty much musician lore is that I feel like they're very susceptible to saying what was on their mind at that or how they felt about it at that time yeah. and then that being the marker of what oh you know John really hated that album and it's like well maybe he hated it that week and he said it then (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah you see all these beams
0: online and it's just i absolutely feel that way Yeah. yeah about different different periods of my own work right yeah yeah
1: i mean lennon famously said of the song how do you sleep which he slammed which is just a mccartney you know i don't know what you call a diss track or whatever like it's it's just basically tears mccartney apart but he said, I think it was on the Mike Douglas show, something to the effect of, I don't walk around all day singing How Do You Sleep to myself. You know, it was just how I felt in that moment and I got it out and did it. And that's what people misunderstand about him is because a lot of Beatles history, sometimes they hang their hat on this Lennon Remembers book that he did in 1970. We had, he had just come out of fucking primal scream therapy and heroin addiction and he was really pissed at McCartney and he so he spouted all of these things that have become the quote-unquote history so it's yeah it's, it, it takes a he got his narrative in there early he always calls paul the pr guy but he got his he got his narrative in there pretty early on i love I'm john excited. lennon i don't mean to shit all over john <laughs> lennon i love no. John. Lennon,
2: but. <laughs> well also some of the the violence isn't great either right but, yeah well what i will say though is i'm excited for this uh peter jackson movie it's gonna be great it's gonna be you great know?
1: they're hanging out They're looking like they're having fun in that thing.
2: Yeah, which I kind of like that being, like, I don't know, added into the history of the end of the Beatles because that's something I've always read about how they were saying it's some of the most fun they ever had being the Beatles was at the end. Yeah. Um, even though obviously getting that album finished and out the door turned into a whole debacle with Phil Spector and everything. Oh God. Yeah. But, it's uh, a nightmare,
1: yeah, <laughs> a real nightmare for everyone. Yeah. And that, but that's yeah. Paul like trying to restart things again and not understanding that you can't always force it. It's like, they call it a marriage. It was off, an awful lot like a marriage. It was go, it was Paul trying to be the one to force them to go through the motions. And at the end of the day, that was his fatal flaw. You know, you can't force people to do that stuff you know and people forget they just released a double album you know the Beatles double album was out what September maybe not even October something like that maybe even as late as November I don't remember specifically the month 68 and then they're back in the studio January 2 69 and Paul's like all right we need another 12 what do we got boys and John's like I don't know I got nothing <laughs> I had a Christmas break. What do you want from yeah. me? And we—it's so funny living in this day and age. Like, I mentioned I'm a big Saint Vincent fan. I'm living yeah. f- four or five years between albums. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Beatles are back in the studio the next fucking month. You know?
2: Yeah. Although Eric and I have often talked about our love for that fast-moving, uh, like art aesthetic, and yeah. how that should probably be more adopted by musicians. I wish it would go back. Yes. Yeah. It's it's weird because I guess albums were
0: only just beginning to be a thing at all when they were doing it because just putting out a lot of singles all the time was, you know, a pretty viable market model for the music industry up through the mid 20th century. And then all of a sudden Beals had like a lot of like full albums. Yeah. And that seemed to be a thing for a while. And, you know, bands just wait really long in between albums these days. Um like, when Portugal the Man was putting out an album right. a year, we were losing our shit over. <laughs> yeah, that. in college, right? we were like, <laughs> yeah.
2: we we're like, yeah, because no one did that. It was like this like incredibly novel thing. Yeah, and yeah. we're talking about that. All we're our like, other
0: favorite bands, we had to wait. Like Rx Bandits. Like I guess they're working on new music now. It'll be their first album in seven, eight years. Yeah,
2: yeah, but they were. And what, what is crazy though, even just thinking of it, uh, crassly marketing wise, is like, yes, yeah, so I love portugal the man right so they i'm in college and they put out four records while i'm in college so they just yeah. got me four times during that <laughs> sweet spot and now i'm now i'm like i'm pretty bought in on the portugal the man business while there's other bands who like st vincent just missed someone's entire class of college right. <laughs> you, oh, you know that's right uh, when, when that's you think right. about it that way yeah,
1: well, I, that's what got me about Jack White because I we got an album a year for a long time for whatever band he was in, whether and it was Solo, Dead Weather, Raconteurs, White Stripes, like all of it was a, basically an album a year for like, God, 12, 13 years, something like that.
2: And all, so that's and all good too. If you liked Jack White, each one was like rad.
1: <laughs> yeah, to, in my, to my ear, they only got better. I mean, there were different flavors. Dead Weather is sort of the sort of goth pastiche sort of over in the corner of the fuzzy goth pastiche but then the Tears is just like the kinks so i was like oh great you know i've got a new kinks yeah. fantastic so yeah that's what hooked me i, I love that pace that pace about is it changing much i mean maybe you guys can speak to that a bit I, I noticed like Billie eilish for example like last year she put out um i think therefore i am which i don't think yeah. was from like an, a record i don't even know if it was from an ep it was just like a standalone scene i really standalone yeah i appreciated that because it was a strong track it wasn't like a throwaway it was a strong track that she released out of an album cycle and i was like why don't why aren't more people doing this is it changing much is streaming or, or is the
0: younger generation changing the album model is my i think question. so oh it definitely nick and i talk about this constantly yeah <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah as eric is like you know his band the hall of phonics is like going into the next thing we're always just like talking about like how people are releasing music and it's changing and it seems kind of open where there you could do it the Saint Vincent way. And I think there's merits to it, but then the Billy Eilish way of dropping these singles and stuff like there's totally merits to that too. I think some people have definitely done it better than others. Yeah. Um, but it's, cha- it's for sure changing, but people definitely are seeing the value again of being very consistent with your output. Um, Music and such. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, you know, I, I don't know what kind of record deal she has locked in with uh, Interscope, she's on Billie Eilish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would not be surprised if whenever that deal is done, oh my God. Yeah. she goes back to being like totally independent and she will just rake it in because, like, financially, like the streaming model definitely favors. Like, just putting out a single here, an EP there, like, re-releasing a track. Um, like, the album cycle yeah. is not as profitable, like, in terms of, like, mainstream marketability as it as it was. So, I, I mean, someone like Billie Eilish, who's, whose fan base is, like, they're not really mainstream, and yet she has, like, such crazy mainstream success... I guarantee she will retain all of her fans without a major label contract.
3: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I, like yeah. she's going to make so much money. Well, she's
1: got the screaming teenagers, and then she's got Captain Whitebread over here, the thirty-five-year-old man with a mustache. You know, I mean, there's, <laughs> she's got them all because there's an authenticity, I think, to her approach.
2: Yeah. Oh, and- I mean, I love Eric. Do you like Billie Eilish? Yeah. I mean, I don't. Uh,
0: consider myself a Billy Billie Eilish fan, but I mean
2: Yeah but, I like
0: what she does.
2: Yeah like Well, I, I'm just saying this because so we're thirty two and when she came out, especially with the album, that yes. was what, two years ago now? Yeah. Right. Huge watershed pop culture moment. And that was the moment <laughs> where I realized I was no longer young. <laughs> because <laughs> I was now an adult, like a true adult, um, because a lot of my friends unsolicitedly just think, "Yeah, I don't get Billie Eilish." Like, "God, we get it." Like, uh Billie Eilish," like, "I just, I, I get it." Like, well, I don't get it. Like, what's the big deal? Or, well,
0: yeah, I well, got she a so, lot of that in my network. Yeah, what's like she so people s- hating on it so was much? What's she so like, sad why? about?
2: What's she so yeah. sad <laughs> about? Like, I just don't get it. Like, this is like she's being so dramatic. Like, we get like, you're whispering, I, and I was like. You guys sound like our parents. Like, (laughs) what do you, what do you, what's there not to get? It's fucking, it's it's rad. Like,
0: when I was in my like, they made this in a bedroom.
2: That's
0: (laughs) (laughs) you can smell Phineas's gym socks in that room. I mean, I know it. Like, it did go to like big studio post production people to like polish it all up for 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 the mainstream. But like, it is essentially. Like what the independent music culture has been with all the punk rock people for the last you know twenty years, yeah. Like there's no reason to be so like angsty about this seventeen-year-old yeah. making intimate <laughs> music. Like what? what yeah, what's yeah. wrong with it? There's yeah, <laughs> she's she's really got it coming. Yeah, you go after yeah. <laughs> that seventeen-year-old girl.
1: Yeah, what, yeah. Does she, what does she think she's? I gotta tell you guys, the letting all of that music snob bullshit go it was like the best moment of my life like it was I was went through that so hard in my 20s I was such a dick about it you yeah. know like well actually the who did it or whatever it was you know what whoever I was doing <laughs> the you and it's just like why you know and it's for some my friend Ryan really taught me it was like somebody's putting their humanity onto a record the least you could do is not dismiss it. You know, I mean, it's, it's okay not to like stuff, Yeah. but I was doing a lot of dismissive stuff and it's stuff you see on social media that just drives me up a wall now. Cause it's just like the instant you let that go and you can just enjoy things like the last year I've become quite an unabashed Taylor Swift fan.
0: Oh, like, I love Taylor Swift. Yeah.
1: But like <laughs> 10 years ago I would have, you know, excommunicated myself. It's just... <laughs> It's just so stupid, you know, because if if somebody (laughs) is making music, like, you can appreciate it. Like, it doesn't matter who they are, what their age is, that stuff.
2: And you know what gets me, Paul, is that a lot of the hating happens, and it turns out I think a lot of those people aren't even listening to the music. (laughs) and that just that right. really pisses me the fuck off because yeah. it's like that you're okay so you're informing your opinion not even off the actual thing you're just off the associations of it or around it or what it means to like this thing and to me that's shittier than anything Like you're, that's a vapid position that has not, yeah, yeah, yeah you get it's it it's
1: just meaningless yeah, yeah it's yeah it's frustrating it's frustrating but yeah I mean you see that even in fan communities right like I I Paul McCartney put out like, I don't know, nine, 10, 20, however many different editions of the record with different colors on it. So you could get a different color for different things. And I'm seeing on these fan communities, people bitching about it. I'm like, guys, just buy the red one if you like it. Like, just what are yeah. you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's called it's yeah. marketing. Like, what It's fine. We can all just yeah. have fun and like things. Like, don't worry about it. I know.
0: Yeah. I So the world that I exist in, the ska world, can be very contentious like within its own fandom yeah and there's a lot of a lot of negativity and it's like but we all like this thing why why, what's the issue here guys (laughs) let's skank together we could just skank together
2: (laughs) yeah and you know it has been nice with this podcast and eric and i were like i wonder what the the adventure time fandom is going to treat us but like it seems to be a very nice welcoming friendly fandom like there's not a lot of shitting like no one's shit on us we've posted about it in some places and people are like oh cool oh yeah Yeah. and we've like picked up a couple people like it's so nice
0: I mean it's it's great part of like the essential elements of why uh, Adventure Time is such a great show because it's like baked into everything about that cartoon that the kind of people that like it are the kind of people that are nice to each other (laughs) that's right Yeah. yeah
1: it's about friendship and, I mean, it's in the title, but it's literally about adventure. You know, it's just about getting into adventures. Everyone can relate to that. And if you can't, then you're some kind of a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: man, I love it. Well, with that, we're back on Adventure Time. Should we, should we discuss this episode? Yes.
3: Episode
0: discussion
2: So business time.
0: Yes. Season one, episode eight. This is the first time adventure guys have reviewed a season one episode. Whew.
2: Yeah. And like you were saying, Paul, it's, uh, it was really fun to go to exit out of the lore that we were like really indebted in, um, or embedded in like in a couple episodes ago and to come to like a very a much simpler time in adventure <laughs> time history where we're just having some fun. And this is a fun episode. And, um, And the differences after coming from like season eight, wherever we were before into this were, was very noticeable right off the bat, but fun. Um, yeah, this is the
1: episode where I realized I love the show. I mean, when you asked me, like, like what one do you want to talk about? It was this one when I heard Brian Poussin in that businessman voice talk about business. (laughs) I was just, again, I was turning to my wife every second. I was like, why didn't you tell me that's what this show was? Like, why didn't you tell me? (laughs) (laughs)
0: so ironically this is kind of the episode that introduces like the concept of lore to adventure time (laughs) right right (laughs) so like this is i think the first time that it's acknowledged that is in fact a post-apocalyptic land and something went down a long time ago and these guys are like remnants of that they're zombies or some kind of they're businessmen, but nobody really knows what the concept of a businessman is, so uh it's it's some weird grotesque version of that. Yeah, grotesque of a, a time long lost.
1: Grotesque is the word, and that's what I was saying earlier. I was I was sort of st- stupidly saying it by saying stupid. What I mean is like that in that Ren and Stimpy way, that grotesque like slapstick Looney Tunes way, it, it's it's hits you over the head, but but not without substance underneath. It's doing that to grab your attention. And this it's just so funny to hear these guys talk about business, not yeah. like a specific <laughs> business, but like the concept of business of business and efficiency.
0: Yeah, right. efficiency <laughs> the way that they behave that... is not indicative of like any businessman that I know from this time, which apparently they're supposed to be from. So, I...
2: <laughs> well, I did like I was curious, like, OK, so how are they going to get involved? And then it, yeah, their thesis really seemed to be efficiency. That's their ethos. It's like yeah. efficiency. Like we are going and coffee, to do this right. They all and like beg for
1: coffee at one point too. Right?
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's like okay, they can figure out how, how to exist in this world because Finn and Jake are not efficiency masters by any means. Uh, yeah, so.
0: I, I mean, I gotta say this episode, like structurally, was not efficient. Like it was sloppy. Like things are all <laughs> over the place. Scenes are disjointed i don't know what anyone's motive really is like it's it's a wild episode it is i, I kind of love how loose these early episodes of the show wind up being yeah
2: well so 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 it starts yeah so they unfreeze these businessmen from a nice uh block where uh with jake using the correct flame uh thrower technique to flambe. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um i also love in the beginning too like it just tells you what the show's gonna be They're they're defrosting all these ice <laughs> things and and finn is like oh all right a bike and a tv and jake <laughs> oh just more baby socks
0: right they're just like treasure hunting like this is a normal activity for them like it's like their version of uh using a metal detector on the beach except they're using flamethrowers yeah I, <laughs> yeah
1: they're just having an adventure i mean they're just they're just kids out having fun or whatever you know it's just yeah oh my god
2: oh yeah it's so great and then uh when they get them jake has a soft spot for the businessman he's empathetic so he he allow invites them to do business on their gauntlet dock (laughs) that they're making (laughs) (laughs) and they're like oh we can we can do that we can do anything we know we we can figure it out um which as a businessman myself who works at a company Mm -hmm. and i'm in marketing (laughs) and stuff I do often wonder, like, what is my skill? But I guess it's just like, it's you just like look at how something works and you just try to make it better. Um, I don't
1: answering emails. I guess. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like that's what my job is: is just a a very proficient email answerer.
2: Yes, (laughs) you're prized for that. Um, Am am I? These guys are.
1: Yeah. Too many exclamation points. Not enough (laughs) emoticon. I don't know. Step too far.
2: Oh, totally but these guys they, they find their own way to do it and they, they make that gauntlet dock look spickety span awesome mm. they do and this moment
0: is a great little bit of animation when they finish the gauntlet dock, and they're you got Finn and Jake running through <laughs> That's right. and yes you get that it's like, like behind like them, the camera right? is yeah. behind them I was just like, whoa, I was not expecting, like, this complicated animation sequence right here, right in the middle of episode eight of this show. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's wacky, and I I can't imagine how hard that must have been for the animation studio to pull that off. Yeah. Especially this early into the show's production. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I was like, this is an iconic sequence of Adventure Time right here. Like, (laughs) Yeah. And it gives you
1: the summation of those characters pretty quickly. The fact that they would have fun running... And nearly getting killed several times is just gives you everything you need to know about Finn and Jake immediately. And then when they're right, in the water afterwards, up, right? Afterwards. Is it aren't yeah. they like <laughs> don't they have an exchange something like, I guess that was sweet. Like, yeah, that was pretty sweet. Or something like that. It's just yeah, like they're,
2: they're, he's got a big swollen eye. And he's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah. That yeah, was that good. was yeah, okay. Maybe these guys are onto something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then they're gonna go into business together, adventuring. Right. Like that, and I, they carve it into their their briefcase and they're like cool we're Finn and jake adventuring whatever it's called and they're gonna set up brian
1: pussain as that as a voice actor on that lead business zombie is just so perfect because it's spoken truly like someone who is not attached to any specific business it's just like (laughs) saying business or like the (laughs) concept of business and he sells it so well like i love brian pussain so he does no wrong in my eyes but like Excellent, really funny.
0: No, and the- Paul, have you have you watched Steven Universe? Uh, again, my wife is a big
1: fan. I've seen a number of episodes. I've never done the full lore dive. I'm familiar enough with it to kind of get an, a sense of what it's all about. But because
0: yeah. yeah. Brian Posehn's character on Steven Universe, I love that character. He does sour cream. He's like the teenage rave DJ. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's great. but he's perfect. His voice is perfect. Even though I know what Brian Posehn looks like, and that's his voice. It's still perfect as this, like, 18-year-old blonde rave DJ guy. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know why. And
0: then, and then when they do the flashbacks to when Sour Cream is a baby, Brian Posehn still voices the baby. <laughs> yeah. It's like, meh,
2: meh. That's excellent. That's yeah. so good. I love that. That's great. But the, So the businessmen set up shop in the treehouse. It's the most right. efficient the treehouse is ever going to be. So Finn and, and Jake are just going to play with BMO and play some video games while they go. This was
0: actually BMO's introduction into the series.
2: I was wondering about that. Wow. Uh,
0: no speaking role, but Bimo's just there being a, a video game console. Wow. I love that. I was actually confused about that because the first time that I watched through this show, um, I told you it was on the recommendation of Harold, who plays trumpet in my band, and at this point I was like, what is this wacky show? <laughs> I, I was... I. I had a real issue focusing on it because it's just was all over the place. And by the time I got to episode eight, I was like, have I seen this video game thing before? Did it, was this introduced? <laughs> Do I know about this? What, what's happening? <laughs> and, and then I went back and I looked like, cause I, I couldn't tell if I had just stopped paying attention when this was introduced And uh, nope, that's just the first time you see BMO.
1: Yeah, they ask you to take a lot of things on faith in this show. And the show, really, like if you have boiled it down, I think faith is in the mission statement somewhere. But you're yeah, you're just supposed to accept that this world exists. And you're supposed to accept that this is just what they do. And that video game console talks and whatever. They'll enter it at some point in time. But it's what kind of endeared me to the show. I mean just as a quick aside, like another one of my exposures to adventure time was going, you know, I worked a lot of San Diego comic cons or a lot of New York comic cons and you see these cosplayers all the time. And I'm not sure if you guys have ever been to a comic book convention in your lives, but yeah, uh, yeah. sometimes at a convention, I don't know if you've ever had this thought, but you look at a cosplayer and you go, I'm never going to watch whatever they're dressed up as. (laughs) (laughs) I want no part. I want no part of that. (laughs) And I saw so many thin cosplayers at conventions oh, yeah, that it really yeah. did start to warp what I thought the show was. And it start I started to like when I was watching bits of episodes here and there. When my wife was watching them, I was seeing those cosplayers in my mind. And it's so it's again it's silly because there's fans having fun and just being cosplayers. But again, oh, this I,
2: is not not what I was I expecting. Understand. Yeah, I I understand you know, that, that. That's
0: Finn's like iconography it was just a cosplay waiting to happen. Yeah. I wonder this is so, uh, I've recently started taking like some classes in cartooning, nice. um, and like character design stuff. And I'm thinking as I'm like drawing out characters, like how could somebody cosplay this? Right. Like, it's not a good character design. It's if, no, if it can't be cosplayed. Like, I wonder like what, what's on people's minds when they, when they think of stuff like that, because you clearly see like what's popular when you go to those conventions, like the characters that are resonating with people. And even in, in smaller shows, like there's, there's clearly like the character that has that look or that feeling or that vibe that fans are into more than they probably should be, you know?
1: Yeah. We've designed characters with artists with that express thought like, Hey, let's instead of a cape here, let's do a hoodie. Let's let the kids dress up as he or she. And, and you know what? Usually they do, <laughs> especially if you're doing your job right. So I I, I think that does play play a role in um, in the thought processes, particularly behind the artists. Um, it, it, this doesn't have to be for the podcast, but you're in New York, right? So w- where are you taking classes?
0: Oh, I'm just doing them online. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Cool. Yeah. 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 I went. I uh, was asking because I I thought I was going to be a comic book artist when I was a kid, and I was I went to school in New York uh, at at SVA and got it in the cartooning program there. And I wasn't sure if you were doing any SVA oh, right stuff, on. but
0: no, I'm total amateur. I just, uh, have developed such an appreciation for animation really stemming from doing this podcast, yeah. um, that I just, I wanted to learn about it more. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. This uh, honestly watching this show has just, I, I loved it. All, I loved cartoons, and animation growing up, but has just rekindled my love for it. in in such a way I was never expecting <laughs> And I think what you're talking about too with um, the faith thing, where you have to take so many things on faith, it puts you in this really great mental headspace when you're watching the show, sort of putting you in that kid headspace. Mm -hmm. That it like subliminally does that to you even without you trying to by just watching it normal. And I love that.
1: Yeah. Well, when we're kids, we're asked the same thing this is the world. Yep. This is the world. Except that it's yeah, the trees are there. They're just there. They've always been there. Where they come oh, I don't know, yeah. but they're always been there. This guy it, and then you get to be older and you're like, Oh, no one knows what they're doing ever. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we're all we're all just big children and we're all just living on this little ball in the middle of what is probably somebody's hologram and then <laughs> and then you start like thinking like, Oh my god, wait a bit, is all of existence just various forms of waves hitting my perceptors. at every is this desk even here if I can't see it? And anyway, then you fall into that rabbit hole. But as a kid, yeah, yeah. it's just the world. No.
2: And and Finn and Jake <laughs> and Finn and Jake just accept so much like, like that, like things happen to them and they're just like, they, they just roll with the punches like a like an awesome kid does. Yes.
0: They really are like the epitome of go with the flow. Those two. <laughs> right.
1: yeah. And don't they get like super fat in this episode when the, yes. when the zombies do all their work yeah. for them? And yeah. I love that they, they do this often on the show where they get really
2: fat and then
1: start talking with the gut or molding it and stuff. Even Finn <laughs> does it. It's like weird.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, I was trying to think about if the show had a point of view on businessmen. Like, if there was a larger something they were communicating about businessmen in this show. And I think they really... They weren't indicting businessmen, as I expected. But they definitely showed the pros and cons. So, (laughs) on the pros side, they're trying to defeat these cubes that are trying to get uh, Hot Dog Princess. And they can't figure it out. But when they delegate some of the work to the businessmen to keep them busy... Finn has this opportunity to evaluate, to rest, assess, and then find the solution. And it shows that having a properly set up business or situation could allow for some really great breakthroughs. And that's where a business like Structure, hey, it's not all that bad, is it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that's when I realized this show was genius, is because, (laughs) yeah, they do all that. And, yeah, they're saying get all that from this. But on the other hand, I think they're just kind of saying on the un- like there's another level underneath the more like there's the narrative, right? There's the sure. moral. And then underneath that, there's this hidden level where they are secretly whispering to the audience. All of this is silly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything you're doing and everything in your life right yeah. now is silly super super silly <laughs> you may as well be rescuing a hot
2: dog princess <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that like, i love the, that
1: that's the show to me it's just yeah. like all this is you know what it's, it's almost like weird al in a way where weird al he's not making fun of anything specifically sometimes but there's just like it's good old-fashioned family fun but there's a, a subcurrent there of like hey all of life is ridiculous and so just embrace it just embrace it
2: Oh, um, I love that, and you get another weird Al fan. But I, I, that's a great, a great point of view. And this episode does it too. I mean, throwing the businessmen in it uh, really drives that point home <laughs> a little bit. And um, and but then but then to the other side, right? Is that the businessmen are very efficient. They they've d- done their claim, and uh, so they start taking on more, which allows right. Finn and Jake to play BMO more and just eat a shitload of ice cream. Yes. Which I don't know if they, Eric, do they eat a lot of ice cream in this show? This is like the only time I even remember uh, ice cream.
1: Jake is a big ice cream fan. He has that ice he cream is? festival he goes to oh. at one point. <laughs> yeah. Right? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know about Finn though.
2: Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, but then they're, they're getting fat and then they're, and I love, but he went, goes to get more ice cream and now they've set up this like, there's like 10 monitors and this like crazy, like technological setup that's in the the kitchen of the, the treehouse, And, and he's just like, Hey, what are you guys doing? And they're just like monitoring everything that's happening on the entire planet. <laughs>
0: yeah, at, at this point, it, it really seems like the rules and, and like the physics of this universe haven't quite been worked out yet. Like, Episode eight, the writers are taking some liberties with what's actually possible. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's really just some delightful sequences, uh, Like because we don't know that things like that shouldn't be happening. Finn and Jake definitely don't know, and if they did, they don't care.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know, because they're just looking at what's in front of them, what they've got now, which is, oh, these guys are just taking care of business, so we can just keep eating ice cream this is this rules <laughs> yeah. finn's like who know that being fat and lazy could be so rewarding right that's right
1: <laughs> and so that that aspect of it so that it's they're playing with a trope that's not a trope they're playing with like a story structure that's not all that uncommon in science fiction like i'm a big star trek fan and i've seen star trek episodes that have played with this kind of concept right it's too good to be true and then it works too well and you learn the moral that you have to do it yourself and that kind of thing blah, 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 right blah, blah, blah. right and but i so it was hitting me on that star trek level too it was hitting me on that level as well. so i've just tickled every every which way i'm getting tickled by this episode it's very good
0: Oh uh, uh, that's right yeah like the, the businessmen are basically an ai yeah and, and then it starts to get too smart
2: yeah
1: and inevitably turns on its on its creators or it's yeah masters
2: yeah and because they're they're out there they're sucking up these like little furry cloud things uh, yeah,
0: they built they built a mech. Yeah, just, that's fine. They they did that.
2: And they're like, "What's going on?" And then one of my favorite things in the episode happens is that they're like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And one of them is on a, like a mic that's like hooked up to be a speaker, and he's like, and he says something, but it's so distorted and loud. You <laughs> yes, can't... I
0: noticed that also. Yeah, that, that, like it was like a, like a saturation distortion. Yes, that just
2: which it... as a music so nerd is just like. Some of my favorite things, it's really big in meme culture right now, but just the fried out voice is hilarious. Also, it's sort of like when you're on the subway in New York City and the, the conductor says something and you can't hear uh, yeah. it because the, the speakers are so distorted. It's like, rah, I don't know. That's right, it's yeah. the funniest thing to me. Um, so good. And yeah, and they're, they're, they're zipping up and vacuuming up these little guys to keep them safe because if they're safer, if they're in their care, which is some perverse logic, um yeah <laughs> driven by efficiency um,
3: right
2: and then they have to battle and get the businessmen to stop um and Finn's too fat to do it right so then he gets sucked <laughs> up he's in there and he needs he- Jake's help but Jake at this point is so fat that he's having <laughs> any trouble m- being mobile right at this point yeah. which is which is hilarious since he has stretchy powers so he could just you know do whatever but he's just so caught up in being lazy that he just can't get out of it. And he's great at being lazy as we know.
1: Yeah. The show plays with where their focus is too, because Jake's powers. Yeah. He's, he's fairly omnipresent sometimes, but also it's got that little kid thing of, yeah, but I'm not paying attention to that right now. Right now, this is what I'm doing and I'm super full and I can't really move, you know? So they, again, they have that childlike (laughs) priority, you know, really they're only kind of seeing what's in front of them in any given yeah, moment. Jake
0: Jake is very susceptible to that. Like uh the the entire episode where he's just stuck in a spider web and can't like obviously you could just stretch out of this, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Why why are we here for eleven minutes?
2: <laughs> I know. Well th- we've talked about this before, but uh, when he when he although no, it's his son. When he when he grows to be so tall that he can basically just walk around the entire earth. Oh yeah. Hey,
0: so I I read a a little bit, I forget where I saw it, but I guess there's some lore that one of the uh, writers, like, really worked out about Jake's progeny, Um, so whatever, like, magic alien DNA that Jake has that gives him stretchy powers, Mm -hmm. um, his kids with uh, Lady Rainicorn, they all have, like, unique versions of those powers, even though they're half Rainicorn, they still retain whatever power it is. So that when they have kids, like Jake's granddaughter still has powers the same way that his kids, like that part of the DNA like never goes away. So it it propagates throughout like a thousand years of genealogy so that when you get to the end of the show and they do flash forwards, he's basically created an entire (laughs) race (laughs) (laughs) of of new beings (laughs) that all have like somewhat unique powers relating back to the stretchiness. Wow. Wow. That is
2: incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there's like 32,000 <laughs> like like documented members of this race. They're called they're all called pups. And no matter what the other hybrid is, like Jake's granddaughter is is like half bear. Um like they they're all uh in this pup lineage and uh, there's like and like a forgotten section of like pups like 11,000 through 22,000 that aren't named but like after Pup 23,000 there's this like this g- guy went above and beyond and detailed the whole history of pups in the land of oo. So that exists if you want if you wow. want to go look it hey, up. Guys guys
1: I think I got some crazy bullshit ahead of me in this show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, like man. excuse me? What? Yeah. <laughs> That's wild.
2: You know it reminds was... me of a little bit did you ever read Bone?
1: The comic Bone? No. But craig no, smith
2: it's but tell it's, us more because if it's like this i want to know
1: yeah that that's a little more straightforward like this I, actually it sounds more like what you're describing but bone is a similar kind of adventure tale in, in a similar sort of setting it's it's similarly genius um but that it's giving me big big bone big bone energy there yeah i love all that stuff <laughs> i love that big uh, i love all that complicated continuity that's what i just like i said i eat that up
2: yeah oh, it's good um but this, this episode ends. So basically, but but he does remember, Jake does remember to use his stretchy powers because they're going to suck him up in the vacuum. He's too fat. Then Finn's like, hey, just stretch big enough so it just destroys the vacuum, which he does. And everyone's safe. They get shot up into the air. Um, and as they're hundreds of feet up in the air, the businessman says that he's going to kill Finn, who has just fired them. Um... <laughs> harsh words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until We fit- don't get
0: that too often in, in here.
2: Yeah. Until <laughs> like, fit- That's a direct murder threat. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't do that much. Even Ice King is like pretty, you know, veiled with his threats. Um and they but then Finn quickly resolves to rehire them, which delights them as businessmen because right. they now have jobs again. And they um they all hold hands and do that skydive thing down to safety on the beach. <laughs>
1: Oh my god. Yeah, the rehire thing, it's just again, <laughs> I was just like it's just pointing out the ridiculousness of it all and that's the only language they speak. You say rehire like nothing's <laughs> tangibly changed. He's just no. said the word re- rehire.
2: They weren't <laughs> getting paid. Right. Like, they no, weren't... no one was getting paid. <laughs> they just love being in business. In business. This yeah. is what they know. This is what they know. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah and it it definitely made me think about how being a businessman is an archetype and definitely something that people pride their identity on and it's it really is silly. But they get down there and then we immediately see them floating off back right. inside of the the ice like what are those cubes? What are they called again? Glaciers, uh, icebergs, oh, right. icebergs. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, and they, they refreeze flip, them, right? Yeah, they refreeze them. And Jake's like, "How did you do that?" And Finn's like, "Well, I told them their first job was to refreeze themselves <laughs> inside of an iceberg." <laughs> <laughs> now and keep then, uh, in mind as i'm
1: watching this this is not what i'm expect. like my jaw is down as i'm, watching yeah. this. I'm like oh my god beautiful oh, it's,
2: it's so good and then and then jake remembers at this point also he can use his stretchy powers to get rid of his belly that's right and uh <laughs> finn tries and then is like oh yeah i can't do that i'm and- just fat now <laughs> and then they cold close it right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Chicken, chicken, chicken. uh th- it we
0: weird yeah it's very uh early episode hallmark where they don't know exactly how to end the episode so they put up a the end title for like i think it's like the only time that ever happens in this show and is episode 8 yeah uh, it's yeah I, and finn just looks really sad the
1: endings <laughs> are some of my favorite parts of these episodes cuz they're always they're usually dark they're usually like you had this big fun adventure and then something kind of dark tends to happen yeah. right at the end. Or they express the futility of just general futility <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. toward any which way. But yeah.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. It's uh, super great.
0: Um, Eric? Well, Do you want to play Did You See the Snail?
2: Yeah. Let's play it. Okay.
0: Did, 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 did you see the snail? Did you see the snail? Ooh. Nick, did you see the snail? No,
2: I didn't. Paul, did you see the snail? I did not. Eric, did you see the snail?
0: No. Nope.
2: Oh. <sighs> Goose eggs, boys. First time in a while. Wow. We didn't see it last week. Oh yeah. Okay, well that's twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Both are bad.
0: <laughs> what are you gonna do? I I realized uh, like halfway through my my watch through this episode that I didn't even have my eyes on the screen.
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> You've seen this episode many I, times.
0: I have. And I, like I forgot that I had another job that I had to look for the snail also. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of TV this week because I've been packaging mail orders ah. it's been my number one task this week Oof. and it just put put a TV show on and just packaged up records for hours every day it's what I've been doing and I forgot that I was supposed to actually watch this <laughs> <laughs> well I'm sorry it sounds grueling but it's good that there are a bunch of orders that's good yeah that's I, good yeah well I, I appreciate the busy work actually um, when it's like a task that I doesn't take any effort oh, yeah. other than time to complete and I can just put something on uh, to watch, and it's just easy. It's I don't have to like involve my brain creatively, which like sometimes I go overboard on. Um, and you know, yeah, it's nice that we have all these orders to fill, so that's keeping it posy too. So I, I don't mind doing all that. And uh, I'm sorry I forgot to put more effort into finding the snail, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I forgive you.
2: <laughs> um, up next is our uh our uh, our ad section. Paul, I was going to say you could throw in an ad, but I think we've we've touched probably on your uh, your pods, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, well,
1: there's one I didn't talk about. <laughs> there's another one I've got too. Uh, yeah. Should should I plug? Is it
2: yeah, this is a great. plug away? It's a great time for the plugs. So
1: Lucy and Annabelle's show is mm-hmm. a podcast by Lucy Walsh and Annabelle Jones, uh, the wife of our our friend Ryan, and they have a wonderful podcast which I produce for them. And it's about the the trials and uh, successes and time spent under the spotlight of your father, your famous father. So uh, Lucy's the daughter of Joe Walsh, and uh, Annabelle's the daughter of uh, um, Davy Jones. And so yeah, they just talk about that and what it was like for their musical career. And it's a fascinating show. It does. Take a bit of a turn uh, in light of recent events, um, so that that's also been similarly, um, similarly educational. You know, it's it's very, yeah. it's very uh, fun, but also kind of a touching, sweet show. And I recommend uh, everybody give it a listen. So that's the Lucy and Annabelle show.
2: Yeah, great, great stuff. And and yeah, the turn it's taken with unfortunate news about our friend um, has led to some pretty, you know, unique podcasting in my minds and things that I haven't necessarily heard shared in the medium and it's pretty moving and like it's good good stuff
1: yeah 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 it's it's (laughs) there's the sadness right but I'm happy that we're we're carrying on and just uh yeah trying to make some stuff right just keep making stuff that's what we got to do Cause it's all silly anyway. That's the subtext of the world. It's all silly, guys.
2: That's what (laughs) I got from today. So let's have some fun making some fun stuff.
1: Yeah, let's make some fun stuff. Let's make some. Yeah,
2: we'll uh, we'll put all your links in the show notes. Thank
1: you. Yeah, Nick will do
0: that. Yeah, I'll do that. (laughs) (laughs) Good. That's my job.
2: Appreciate it. We'll post it too. Cool. Want to do some uh, miscellaneous mania? Miscellaneous Media, Paul. Just to refresh it, We're gonna go through some trivia on the show. Can I just um, say,
1: it, this is like being on a, a like a late night talk show, and I'm like, I love, I love it. I'm oh, like great. really here for it. I feel like I'm on a couch. <laughs> Thank And you. both of you my are that, collectively Seth Meyers. This is
0: very, very nice. Honestly, like one of my dreams is to be like a band leader on uh, a talk show like that. This is awesome.
1: On, on our shows, we just strive to alienate our guests as much as possible. Just make them feel unwelcome, uncomfortable. So this is very nice.
2: Oh, good. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, Eric, do we have any? Do you have any fun? Miscellaneous mania this week. Uh,
0: I had, you know what? I had a piece of trivia. Uh, it was the number of ice cream cartons that Finn and Jake ate. I had it
2: ready to go, and I lost it. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Classic. I, I mean, hey, we already talked about it, but that this is the first episode with BMO, that's pretty good trivia. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna guess
0: forty eight. I think that was it. They ate forty eight cartons of ice cream. It's a pretty good yeah.
2: guess. Um Yep, that's it. Forty eight. Oh hey, hey. Good memory. <laughs> I um I did like th- that this is the only episode with the end, which is quite silly. Um, the, tr- the tree fort looks
0: differently
1: in this episode oh it right?
2: does
0: yeah yeah i think yeah they're still figuring stuff out at this point in the production um i get oh this was actually the first aired episode even though it wasn't officially part of the show's production run they did a sneak peek of adventure time like a month before the show started and it happened to be this episode Ah, interesting
1: i actually had a question for you guys about that there were points when i was watching the first season that felt like they had sprinkled in maybe a few pilot episodes or something here or there there was a few that stood out to me as feeling like huh that seems like a little overly explaining because they just sort of drop you into the deep end with that first episode, the Halloween zombie one. But right, there were times when yeah, I felt the, like pilots were sprinkled throughout it. So is that a thing?
0: Uh, they absolutely wrote and aired a lot of the first half of season one in a totally disorganized fashion. Like um, the first episode, like the real first episode that was finished was episode five, the Enchiridion. That's like the real pilot episode um it's it's kind of like the kitchen sink episodes with they consider it as because it like has finn and jake doing all of the typical adventure things um but it wound up being episode five in the production run i don't know why but i think the whole first half of season one uh was the episodes were written and finished in a very different airing order yeah they just kind of figured out the way that they wanted to piece it together after they had a bunch of episodes in the can.
1: So another thing that reminds me of Star Trek, same thing. They filmed them and wrote them all out of order and stuff, so when you're watching them, you're not getting the pilots in order, so sometimes things will look oddly different or just feel oddly different, like four or five episodes in when you're watching that first season. just struck me. It's interesting. I wasn't sure if this was a web series from Frederator
0: before it was picked up. For Cartoon Network, uh, it was not so the the original pilot, uh, which was aired like a couple of years before, uh, had a very different feel and nothing was like really fleshed out or anything. Uh, it was like a short; it was like five minutes, and it was technically, I think, just a a web video. Yeah. Um, it had one air date; like, it aired, I think at like midnight or something just so that they could have it be considered for awards or something. Huh. Um and
2: it was by Nickelodeon commissioned it, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh and and after Nickelodeon aired it at midnight or whatever and it won a bunch of awards they decided not to pick up the series huh. and Frederator shopped it to Cartoon Network wow. instead. Wow. That's wild. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it did, but it did make yeah. the round. Like I saw that pilot we've talked about before but like like, a year before the show actually came out. Like, my friend who was in art school was like, dude, you've got to see this, like, weird yeah. pilot. Like, it was... It was somehow had made its way into those webs. <laughs> um, not sure how. Yeah, it was It was kind of early days of, like, internet
0: videos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: it was streaming somewhere, but that was just starting. But, yeah.
1: Interesting. That reminds me a little of the Spirit of Christmas, the South Park sort of pilot they did before... The series and stuff, and it had picked up a bit oh, of. Yeah. I don't even know where they
2: released it before. It might have just been a proof of concept, but. I, I the, the spirit of Christmas, I do know, was, um, a Christmas card of some sort Someone commissioned them, and they or someone sent it around as Christmas cards in Hollywood yeah. or something. Like there's some that's part of the history somehow.
1: Yeah, I, boy, I'm now I'm digging back in my brain to those South Park DVDs where Matt and yeah. Trey go through all of it and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. But, yeah. Um yeah, it's cool. Anything else, Eric? Uh nothing too crazy. Um you know, one thing I'm just seeing here on the uh the wiki fandom, which I remembered was when um Jake asks what kind of business the businessmen do and it caused them physical pain. Uh was pretty <laughs> funny and I was like, I don't know what even to get out of that. But <laughs> is it that the act of being a businessman is fun, but that what they're actually doing is bad? I don't know. Maybe this is where I'm reading too deep in. I'm just needs to be having some fun.
1: There's something there. There's yeah. some layer to that, and that's why I'm I'm convinced the show is genius. Just because there's always something like that where I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm looking for meaning.
2: Yeah, looking and it me. makes me feel something when that happens. Right, like. Right. It didn't, it, it actually struck a chord in me and I was like, I don't know why.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you could read into like the history of why this is the way it is in a lot of different ways. Like what, what caused our world to be so messed up that your typical like white collar assholes were susceptible to becoming this kind of zombie in the apocalypse event?
3: hmm.
2: Yeah. It's a great question
0: like because uh, these are humans i guess right
1: yeah and it's funny that it's interesting finn doesn't have an, a reaction to that because later on he has a reaction when he thinks he's found a human tribe right underneath the underneath the, the under underground he thinks he's found a human tribe and it turns out not to be that yeah and he, he you yeah. get the sense that he is very surprised to have found them but in this he doesn't seem phased by it at
0: all And later on, we do see the definitive image of what happened to most people in the Apocalypse event, like the weird gooey mutant monsters that they become. See, I think these guys are big. These are definitely not them. I think these guys are big Planet of the Apes fans. I think Pendleton Ward is a big Planet of the Apes guy because this is a ringing some
1: Planet of the Apes bells for me. I'm also a huge Planet (laughs) of the Apes nerd. Talk about a franchise with a convoluted continuity. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely that, but yeah, (laughs) that's cool
0: nice yeah I think at this point in the show they, uh, they were just not really constrained by anything yet so they were just taking liberties wherever they could and seeing what worked yeah it feels, it feels like they had a lot of freedom there
2: yeah fun Yeah, cool Eric should we figure out what we're going to watch next week
0: Yes, let's generate next week's episode.
2: What are we gonna watch next week?
3: What are we gonna watch? Let's go! It's the episode generator.
0: Going in no logical order, <laughs> naturally, we have episode 179 for next week, which is season six. Episode twenty three, the Pajama War.
2: Ooh, we love season six. We've gotten a bunch of it. I'm excited. We
0: got a lot of season six eps. Yeah, I think our. I mean, we know our random episode generator is flawed. <laughs> no, and our f- and our fan,
2: our buddy Montezuma, who made it for us. We are gonna we're gonna figure out how to run your program so that we can do this better. Um, <laughs> and we're working on it. Um, but yeah. Um, let's do another season six is fun it's a good season we've talked about it it's great Um, the pajama war pajama war nice sweet okay I don't remember what it's about but we'll find out I guess yeah well Paul thank you for joining us it's been a pleasure this was fun one of the yeah thank you for coming on one of the great episodes so far one of the great (laughs) episodes (laughs) We'll, well it'll be branded as such um yeah
1: yeah, well, you guys will have to come on uh, any number of mine. Should just pick one. Just any of them. It doesn't matter. Whichever oh, one you want.
2: Would absolutely love that. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. Um, come on.
1: We'll talk about some music. We'll hang out. I'll we'll introduce you to our late night program, which again, as I can't stress this enough, will be to alienate and make you feel uncomfortable.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I look forward to that. It's a poor um, business think- model, eh? Ooh!
1: It's a callback in the in the biz. <laughs> it's a callback.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Well, th- thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, thanks for uh, hitting us on the email at didyouseethemail at gmail.com. We're always there. Um, oh, by the way, Rodney Richards, send us an email.
0: <laughs> you know what you did, Rodney.
1: You fucked up, Rodney. You really fucked up.
0: Yeah.
2: Am I you allowed have to, to have swear on this thing? I've been right?
1: swearing this whole time. Is that okay? Yes. okay. Oh,
2: yeah. It's, it's, it's explicit.
0: I, when I publish the episodes I, re- I remember to mark them as explicit but when Nick does he does not <laughs> so hopefully there are no children listening to all these F-bombs on an episode that Nick did not mark ah! as explicit sorry kiddies I'm get us
2: screwed <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> those anchor ads anyway Rodney
0: we're, yeah. you owe us an apology I'm very angry <laughs>
1: Eric's I'm angry more dis- hear I'm, this more, tone. I'm more disappointed
0: You know what you did.
3: He
1: should know.
2: Make it up to us. Rate us on iTunes or whatever. Then we'll be square. Um, Yeah, I don't know. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Peace out, y'all.